Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing. Hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hey there, thanks for joining us. You're tuned right into The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. My guest today is an award-winning show host who has been helping people start, grow, and monetize their podcasts for over 20 years. Meet Dave Jackson. Dave is an icon in our industry and is best known for launching the now-famous School of Podcasting in 2005. During his 15 years in the industry, he has launched over 30 podcasts himself with over 4 million downloads. Wow. So it's no surprise that in 2018, Dave was inducted into the Academy of Podcasters Hall of Fame. His experience, position, and channels allow him to help more podcasters than anyone else on the planet. What else can I say? Welcome, Dave Jackson. <laughs> what is doing? Oh, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. I really, I, I really don't know where to begin, but I'm sure we'll find a spot. Let's, let's start with the easy softball questions. How does Dang. somebody reach 4 million downloads? You don't quit. It really is as simple as that. You don't quit. And some of them worked. Um, I did a podcast that didn't work called The Dates from Hell Show. So don't start a podcast on a dare. And I was, <laughs> it was me and, and my now ex-wife and we were swapping stories of just horrible people we had dated. And somebody said, this should be a podcast. And so I got the domain and I did all the stuff where I, I thought that I would uh, market it on like match.com. I was going to make a fake profile. And then when people tried to date my fake profile, would say, do you have any, you know, bad stories about dating, blah, 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 oh, wow. uh, had, had an 800 number and a custom, I mean, we went all out and the problem, we both had about, I don't know, three stories. So that meant we had six episodes and we would give these horrible stories about, well, we did this and this person was, oh my gosh. And then we'd go, hey, if you want to start online dating, you know, and then we had affiliate links to match.com and all these other places. And I was like, that's a horrible plan. Like, let's, let's tell horror stories and then tell people, hey, you, that sounds horrible, right? Yeah, you can do this yourself. Go over here and sign up for a dating site. So it, it didn't work. We ran out of content and we were asking people to more or less humiliate themselves in public with a horrible story 
And so as you might imagine, we got zero feedback, zero stories, because nobody wanted to do that. And after about seven episodes, we went and we're done. And so not all of them work. A lot of them are just experiments. But uh, for the for the school of podcasting and the other ones that are still around, it's just a matter of going to where your audience is, finding out what they want, give it to them. And then, you know, what's it? Uh, lather, rinse, repeat, and just don't quit. And just realize that there are some, I did a, a my very first podcast was for musicians. And it was, uh, I, I rebranded it three times trying to keep it alive. But after a while, A, the music business had changed. B, I wasn't a musician anymore. And C, I was just tired of saying, you know, don't be a weenie to the bar owner, pay attention to your audience and keep going. And so after a while, I was like, this isn't fun anymore. So I just quit that one. And that then gave me more time to, to start another one. But it, it really does. Uh, I always say to people, when you start off, you have to have a huge amount of passion. Because when you first start out, I just, one of my experiments is I just launched a local podcast for Akron, Ohio. And the first episode, by the time I put together the website and the artwork and did the first episode and did all the investigations and I put it out and I got, yes, you count them, 12 downloads. And I went, wow, that was a lot of work for 12, for 12 downloads. But I've had to keep this up and start doing things. Like the second episode, I pulled a clip from the mayor of Akron's, uh, he did a press conference kind of thing. And I pulled a clip from it and I then copied him on that episode via Twitter, who then the press secretary then copied that. So it was just a matter of, you know, going through all the motions and eventually 12 will turn into 20 and 20 will turn into 30. And, you know, over the years, you just kind of find out what people are looking for. And I've already had one person say, wow, this is information I couldn't get anyplace else. So it's just a matter of, you know, not quitting. So the road to 4 million downloads certainly begins with taking action and not quitting. We often hear the other side of that, which is, well, your content better be good. Mm, what do we absolutely. make of that? How important is that? And really, what does that mean? What is, ah, how do we define good content? Good content, the, the easy one is information you can't get anyplace else. My favorite examples of these is one's called Congressional Dish with Jen Briney. She actually reads the bills that go through like Congress. And you listen to this and you want to punch something because you realize just how bad our representatives are. And she is completely funded by donations. Another one, a similar show, uh, The Podfather, Adam Curry, the guy that invented podcasting and John C. Dvorak do No Agenda. And it's at noagendashow.com. And they also go through, dissect the media. And because they've got a, a really strong global audience, when you get outside of the US, you get a whole different spin on news. And so they kind of dissect it. And a lot of times, if you just follow the money, and it sounds kind of conspiracy theorist at times, but it's what's interesting is the longer you listen to that show, the more you find out that these conspiracy theories, because they're not like whack, like, you know, the world is flat kind of stuff, but they're like, hmm, a lot, of, a lot of times they come true. So that's one. If you can give information that you can't get anyplace else. And then I reverse engineered everything I watched. Like if it was on TV, radio, whatever it is, I'm like, why did I just watch this? And it either made me laugh cry, think, or groan. One of the two, because there are some shows I listen to just to like scream at the dashboard, right? So laugh, cry, think, or groan. And if it's not doing one of those four, you need to educate or entertain. And if you're not doing any of those, you're boring. And there are a lot of people, I'll give you an example. 
my best friend from forever. I've known the guy for probably 35 years. We get together and we talk like we're 17 and we talk about 80s hair metal and guitar and all the stuff we used to, we still exactly the same thing. It's a great conversation. We make each other laugh because we have 30 years of inside jokes. If I put that out as a podcast, it's boring because nobody gets the inside jokes. Uh, some people might want to talk about guitar players, so I'm going to have a very niche audience. But it's when that person then says, well, I want to make a living doing that. I'm like, hmm, that's not really probably, do, do you have a product? No. Do you have an audience? No. Do you have an email list? No. So it's not that you can't make a living from this. It's just in the same way that can I make a living as an actor? Well, you can. What about an author? Well, you can. What about a musician? Well, you, you can. You know, all those you can. It's just a matter of, unfortunately for podcasting, I think people want to start and quit their day job in six weeks. And that's not exactly realistic. So that's what, to me, what makes good content. You know, it's either going to make you laugh, cry, think, or groan, educate, or entertain. And if you can deliver information that you can't get anyplace else, and I realize sometimes that's impossible to get, um, that's, that's a pretty good recipe. And a lot of people get worried because, well, I'm doing a show about blah, blah, blah. And there are already two other shows to which I go tonight, you know, the president or some prime minister or somebody, some politician is going to say something. And I'm pretty sure there's going to be at least four networks that talk about whatever that person said. Mm -hmm. And they all have their own personalities. They all have their own viewpoints. And that's why people, you know, watch them every year. There's, you know, diet books that come out and every year. So, you know, just because other people are doing it doesn't mean you shouldn't. So, right. A, a great example. Let's, let's get meta, for example, and talk about this very show. This on the surface is a pretty typically formatted podcast interview show. I'm certain that you, this is not your first show. So I don't have that where, Hey, I'm bringing Dave Jackson to the public. So unique content, you cannot get anywhere else. So the onus, the responsibility then comes on the content creator, right? How how can I bring a guest, in this case you, to the show and make it as unique of an experience for you and then therefore for the audience? That's the goal, right? That's what we're going for. And it's also about, I think the, the way we accomplish that, and I'd love to hear all of your thoughts on this, the way we accomplish that, I think from my point of view, is to get super clear on who I am in this format, what I represent, why I represent it, and then through practice and repetition and rehearsing and training and all of that good stuff, bring it to this very episode. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Number one, who are you? In other words, who are you and what is the goal of you that you want to do with this? But the other one that to me is even more important is who is the audience you're trying to attract? Because you have to figure out what will hold their attention so you've got that kind of on the left side. Then you have your goal on the right-hand side. The hard part, because I always say starting a podcast is not hard. I mean, I could literally fart into my phone and it would be on iTunes next week. Uh, it's really not hard to start a podcast. It's starting a, a, a good podcast is hard. So you've got your goal on the right. You've got your audience on the left. Where can I meet in the middle that will hold their attention, but also get them towards, like in your case, you know, hey, maybe it's a coaching client or somebody like that. So how do I, I do that? And you were mentioning interview shows. Um, 
I think we, we talk about, you know, people that everybody knows, Pat Flynn. I think everybody knows Pat Flynn. And the thing is, if I have Pat on my show and I talk to him about the, the Green Academy ebook that kind of launched his entrepreneur thing, there's no way Pat is sharing that with his audience. Why? Because they've heard that story eight million times. I've got to come up with new questions for Pat Flynn so that he goes, wow, I've never talked about this before. That's really good. But still, and this is why it's important to know who your audience is, is still going to you know, hold the attention of your audience while moving them towards your goal. And so that's, that's the tough part of uh, interview shows. But you, you hit the nail on the head. What's the goal that you're trying to do and who the heck is my audience and what can I meet in the middle to, to get them to go to where I want to go? Through your work, you, you not only help your clients learn the how and the mechanics of starting a podcast, but you also help them with the why. What is the reason? How do we enter that subject? Why, why should somebody start a show? Is it, are, are there a variety of personal reasons? How do we begin that? Yeah, there, first of all, if you can't answer that question, why? If you go, I don't know, it sounds fun. I will go, well, it's not time to, it's not that you shouldn't start a podcast. You shouldn't start a podcast now. Because again, you're going to do all this work and get seven downloads. And if you're just doing it for fun, you're going to go, well, that wasn't that fun. I expected to get a thousand downloads the first one. And retire so need to, tomorrow. And re, Exactly. Be on Jimmy Kimmel, be good to go. And so, um, the whys are, A, you're going to be seen as an expert, which is odd. Again, if we, if, especially to the hidden audience, we're like, look, I'm not sure anybody's going to even listen to me. And then to say, well, guess what? They're going to find you and they're going to think you're an expert. I, I started a podcast. I thought if I publicly announced my weight, it would hold me accountable and I would lose weight. So I started the show called The Logical Weight Loss Podcast. And it did. It helped me lose weight. And then it helped me find it. And then it helped me lose it and help. So I really, my nickname should be Duncan. I'm such a yo-yo at this point. And, um, but what's interesting is I got, I start off and I say, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a trainer. I'm just a person like you trying to lose weight. And I get the most insanely detailed questions about health that I'm like, why are they asking me about oxygen levels in the blood? And I'm like, because I have a podcast. So you're going to be seen as an expert. And that's great because, I mean, I've been hired twice, two different jobs uh, because of my podcast. Uh, but also, I had one guy, I had a client of mine, he said, I want to start a podcast about comic books. And I'm like, okay, we can do that. And he goes, I know what you're thinking. Oh my God, not another podcast about comic books. He goes, but my family has said, look, we don't want to talk about comic books anymore. <laughs> you need to go find somebody else to do that. So by starting a podcast, you can grow your community. And so these could be, you know, wide ranging or they could be, I think one of my favorites is Haley Radke does uh, Adoptees On. And it's all about uh, how, for people that have been adopted, because the only people that understand what it's like to be adopted are people that have been adopted. Um, there's a show called Living with Herpes, which mm. the only people that know what it's like, you know, uh, we have cancer and they don't have to all be you know, diseases or whatever, but you know, the key, my favorite, the chameleon breeder. Um, it's a guy that breeds chameleons and he sells cages. So that's how he makes money with his podcast. So uh, you're going to find your community. And sometimes people just, it's, it's so powerful to not feel alone. And so that's more, you know, to me worth more than money in some cases. So uh, you're going to be seen as an expert. You're going to find your community. In some cases, you will start a conversation with your potential customer. Uh, my buddy, Daniel J. Lewis does the Audacity ah. to Podcast. 
and he started a show and it's supposed to be like the courage, the audacity to podcast, but lucky Daniel audacity is also like a really, really popular free software. So he attracted a bunch of people wanting to learn about a free software. Well, Daniel at the time was a web designer. And he was not charging free for his web design. And so consequently, his audience didn't fit his, his product. So then he looked at his audience and said, hmm, but what do they need? Oh, well, they really like reviews. Uh, they really like, uh, they want to know how to rank higher in iTunes and Apple and things like that. So he created products for those particular things that they wanted. So he found an audience. They didn't want his product, but he just kind of was like, well, what do they need? And then he made the product to fit his audience. So sometimes starting a podcast, you get your community again around you and you can find out what they want. I have a, another podcast called the Podcast Review Show. Where did that come from? Is after a while, enough people started asking me like, hey, can you listen to my podcast and give me some feedback? And after, at first I did it for free and then it was like taking three and four hours and I was like, okay, that's not going to work. And so I turned it into a product and people do that. So again, I, I dove into my audience and find out what they wanted and, and gave it to them. So that's a really big thing that can happen from starting a podcast. Uh, the other thing is you can get speaking gigs. Um, again, you just kind of see yourself as, as an expert and others do as well. You can get free stuff in some ways if you know how to ask the right questions. The, the key to that is don't ask the salespeople because they will try to sell you a product. But if you contact the marketing department whose job is to get the word out, they might give you free stuff. So there are all sorts of different whys uh, in, in terms of starting your podcast. You just have to know them for yourself. That's absolute right. step one. You really have to sit with that, put in the work and, and write it down and get clear on that. You mentioned um, finding your hidden audience. And man, that's something that I've realized early on in this journey that, like you said, sometimes for a long time, it could feel like you're talking to nobody. But like you said, just don't quit. Keep doing it improve on what you can, reassess what you're doing, rework what's working as far as you know it, educate, learn, train, and, and rinse and repeat. So the hidden audience I love because every so often you will be blessed with an email or a message from somebody coming out of the woodwork who you've never seen before that says, a form of you're changing my life. I just heard your recent episode. I've been following you for years. And it really just puts everything into perspective. And you're like, wow, where there's smoke, there's fire. So if I'm making this kind of impact on this one person who just came out of the woodwork into my awareness, I never knew of them before. You are making a difference by just doing it. And you may not know it. Oh, absolutely. I, uh, on my weight loss show, I did a, a, an episode and I said, you know, sometimes our problems seem so big. So let's say you have to lose over a hundred pounds and you're thinking, I'm never going to lose a hundred pounds. I said, let's break that down. Let's break it down to 10 pounds. Could you lose 10 pounds? I said, you know what? Let's forget about 10 pounds. Let's just break it down to, can we make the next meal a good one? Just break it into bite-sized things. And who knows if you can lose 10 pounds and just ask yourself, can I do that nine more times? And so months go by, right? And it's me down by the water heater in the basement. And all of a sudden I get this email, hey, Dave, I did it. And I'm like, congratulations, 
what'd you do? And she said, I lost 10 pounds, 10 times. I lost a hundred pounds. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And that's when I was kind of actually stepped back. I was like, Whoa, this, this microphone thing is like, people are listening to this. Um, I had a guy once that bought a piece of equipment and I, I said, Oh, that's great. You know, he was kind of like, I, how do I plug this in? And I'm used to having, and then he told me what he had. And I went, Ooh, you like, why did you buy the new toy? Your old toy was perfectly fine with what you're doing. And he said, Oh, you said it was cool. And I went, Oh, Oh, and we're talking a lot of money. And I was like, so now if I ever do any kind of product review, I will say, if you don't have this and this, you know, if you have these, these are fine. You know, it's not really much of an upgrade. So there are times when the microphone, you're like, oh, that's right. People are listening. <laughs> Just kind of fun. You, when I introduced you into the show and uh, it's, it's probably a, uh, a common intro for you. You even commented on it before we went on, on to the recorder here. But when we were live on Facebook, um, I said, everybody knows Dave and you said, oh, you know, I, I always feel a certain way when, when people say that. Talk to me about that. It's, I don't know. I wouldn't call it a struggle per se, but, but just that, that feeling of when people are like, Dave, I mean, because you've been at this for so much time, which I want to dissect in a minute, mm-hmm. but I just want your overall um, emotion around that. What does that feel like? Is there an insecurity? What, what is all yeah. that about when they're like, oh, <laughs> you're the man, it's yeah. you. Well, it, and it all, it's funny because I can identify why I still feel that way. And you would think, oh, I figured it out. It has to do with this thing in my childhood. It really doesn't make it go away. Uh, some of us call it imposter syndrome, things like that. But I grew up poor. Uh, my dad, when I was about five, um, he was working with computers when they took up a room and was having a hard time getting a new job. And his, my next door neighbor got him into trucking temporarily. Well, this is before the internet and before cell phones. And when you're a truck driver, it's hard to be at a job interview back in Akron when you're in, you know, Gary, Indiana in a truck. So his temporary trucking job lasted like 25 years. So he, my dad wasn't a bad guy. He just wasn't around. He was basically gone Monday through Thursday. And that then created this weird thing where you feel like you're on the outside. Like everybody else has a dad. I don't. And everybody else has money for this and we don't and blah, blah, blah. So you create this whole weird thing in your head that kind of like, I don't know why I'm, I don't know how I got picked to always get the short straw. But on the other hand, I didn't realize this till recently I've never felt myself as kind of an entrepreneur, but I had a lemonade stand. Um, I, when I was in junior high, this is before you had, uh, you know, gum machines and pop machines in schools. I would go and buy, you know, a couple packs of gum and sell it by the stick. There you, you go. Know, like somebody would go, hey, you got gum? How much? You know, can I get a piece of that? I'm like, you got a dime? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay. So I was, you know, it was this huge markup. But on the other hand, I was now able to, you know, buy stuff. And I started off as a, an assistant to another paper boy. And then I got my own paper boy route. You know, you just kind of find ways to, to do what you want to do. But for whatever reason, there's still that, that person in me. Like, I remember the one thing that I was just like, oh, you got to be kidding me, is one summer I grew three inches in one summer. The bad news is we'd already bought my school clothes. Oh. And so, so this is, um, I think, seventh grade, if I remember right. So my mom says, that's all right. I'll fix it. And she goes, I'm going to sew more fabric on the bottom. 
And I'm like, okay. She put different colored fabric. So picture like blue jeans with like a darker blue at the, it was just this. And I was just like, yeah, we can't afford more. Yeah. We can't afford more clothes. If in case you didn't notice, you know, everybody's like, what's up with your clothes? So that was just one. I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm like, I'm so not like everybody else. So that's, that's the whole imposter thing. And it still kind of just bugs me every now and then where you're just like, I remember you, you mentioned I got, it was, it was honorable. It was honoring me, but I, I got to get inducted into the Academy of Podcasters Hall of Fame. So I'm, I'm in my suit. I've practiced my speech eight gazillion times and I walked upstairs and it was this huge event and I'm looking for my friends, my podcast peeps, wherever they're at. Cause they're radio people. This is a podcast movement. So they're radio people, there's industry people. And I remember I came up the stairs and normally I can look in a room and find somebody I know. And I looked up and I didn't recognize a person. And if you could kind of just like a turtle crawl back into your shell, I was just like, I don't know anybody. Oh, and it's, and so I, it's my wife, uh, used to laugh if I ever went to like a, a Christmas party with her, you know, cause normally you can't shut me up if I know you or if we're talking podcasting, but we'd go to her, she was a nurse. We'd go to this whole, you know, whatever big Christmas party and she'd look over and she goes, Oh no. And I'm like, what? And she goes, I brought shy Dave to the party. She goes, can you not be shy Dave? She goes, just, it's fun. These people are fine that you'll see, but I'm still kind of shy. Uh, when I was 16, my first, kind of real job as a grocery bagger, I got fired because I was so shy. I wouldn't talk to the, the customers. I was just super, like when we say introverted, I put the in an introvert. And so I had a, uh, a teacher at my school who had actually helped me get the job. And uh, he said, uh, you see your friend, Scott? And I go, yeah, well, my buddy, Scott is like David Lee Roth. He's just super outgoing and, you know, just the, the, the party guy. And he said, you need to be more like your friend, Scott. And he might as well have said, I need you to grow a third arm. It just was not going to happen. And then uh, he said, here's what I want you to do. And I'm like, okay. He goes, I want you to act the way you want to be. And someday you will be the way you act, which we now affectionately refer to as fake it till you make it. That's right. And so I just, start, I just started pretending I was outgoing. Hmm. And then I remember I took a speech class and found out that you could use humor to make people laugh. And that's when I was like, oh, well, this is kind of fun now. So yeah, so it's as much as I've, I've won different awards and people will come up to me at different events. And it's, it's always, it puts so much gas in my tank when people say, you helped me launch my podcast. I just had to stop by and say thanks. And I'll be like, great. And I'll go to keep talking. And they're like, no, I don't do it. And they off they go. So, uh, yeah. and as much as that happens, I still have that little voice in my head that still says, yeah, why would anybody listen to you or that whole, that still that little itty bitty voice in my head. So I, I still occasionally have to go, all right, shut up. Just, we're just going to pretend I'm outgoing here. I've, I've crossed paths with you over the, I mean, I've been um, in the industry for about two years now and really dove deep into it. So I've crossed paths with you in person uh, a handful of times at the different events. And I could attest you are, uh, uh, away from the mic, you're not um, particularly outgoing. You're just almost there blending in with everybody else. And I, at times, are am the same way, coming from the acting and film world, very similar things where I always say I, I take all of my training from that industry to here. 
But it is also actors are known as the most insecure people in the world. Yeah. So it's it sounds like you're you're uh, admitting a very similar thing that give the mic, I can open up. So with that, talk to me about the the confidence building of it because what I've found is that I. I started my podcast a couple of years ago and really was quite surprised. I, I had a feeling what it might do for my business if I play mm-hmm. it right and look for the opportunities. But my goodness, what I find it provides me personally the confidence that I could gain and take with me as a person has just been incredible. How has confidence played into your life? I think there are two things like what builds confidence and this sounds weird, is failure. And as much as failure should strip me out of my confidence and say, well, you're a failure. What are you doing? You're an idiot. It was the opposite. When I would do something wrong and I'd be, and then I would go, oh, but yet I'm still here. Like, oh, okay. So now I know not to do that. I know not to do this. So all of a sudden I'm doing more things right because I've learned what not to do. And then I think just some of it was just people coming up and saying, hey, that really, really helped. And so it's, it's kind of like a recipe, right? You, you, you read the recipe and you go, I think if you do this, this, and this, and this, this will be pretty good. And uh, Kevin Hart has a great book and he says, you know, everybody thinks they're funny in the basement, but you don't know until you get on the stage. And so recipes are the same way. They look really good, but you don't know until you make them. So when I help somebody say, well, okay, your goal is this, uh, here's your audience. Let's find that part in the middle. Let's do that. And then it actually starts to work. I'm like, okay, apparently I know what I'm talking about. And it's just one of those things where, um, you know, the people that are close to you sometimes notice those things. And I remember once uh, I was at an event with my ex-wife and people kept coming up and saying, Dave, thank you so much. And wow, you're, I love your show and blah, blah, blah. And I would always kind of self-deprecate. You know, they come up and like, you are so funny. And I'd be like, yeah, looks aren't everything. And she just looked at me. She goes, you're horrible accepting compliments. And I go, what? And she goes, she goes, these people love you. And you kind of like, you, you have a hard time accepting praise. And I'm like, well, I just want to be humble and blah, blah. She goes, I, I get you want to be humble. She's like, but you really need to accept the fact that you're helping people. And I was like, Oh, I, and so that really rang true to me. And I was like, I, cause I noticed myself doing that. So I think that's part of it is just after a while you have to kind of go, all right, I guess I'm, I guess I'm, I guess I'm good. I guess I'm okay. And that doesn't make me an egomaniac. I guess that's the other thing. I was always kind of trained, right. You know, the the last will become first if you come from a biblical background. And so like, I don't want to be like, you know, look at me, I'm number one kind of thing. So I was always worried about being humble, but that doesn't mean you can't go, you know what? Like if you ask me about the guitar, I'll be more than happy to say, oh, I can hold my own on the guitar. But I, it took me a long time to be able to say, I can hold my own behind a microphone. Hey there, entrepreneurs. Eric Cabral here, founder of On Air Brands and host of the Entrepreneur Circle and Capital Hacking. I wanted to share something truly unique with you that we've created called Pod Max, which is an amazing opportunity to connect you with major podcasts to help you share your fascinating stories with their communities. This unique invitation-only event includes interviews with you on top-rated business podcasts all in one day. It also provides a unique networking opportunity with high-performance guests and thought leaders who are authors, coaches and consultants, investors, speakers, executives, 
Jones, you name it. These are the type of people that you need to be around. We also provide industry expert keynotes to hit our stage to share insights on podcasting, investing, marketing to help you take things to the next level. And the cool thing about PodMax is that it has a multimedia agency engine behind it with on-air brands to provide social media promotions before and after the event to share your brand new shows with your network. So hit the apply now button at podmax.co and I hope to see you at the next PodMax event. I like how you brought up the whole idea of accepting praise and being open to receive that because it is a whole thing. Um, I know so many of us, myself included, can relate to that. When we do something that we're proud of inside, we would never you know, admit that or publicly show that, but we're secretly proud of something we do and lo and behold, it has a positive effect on somebody and now we're either in person or hearing from them and and then we become self-deprecating. How do you today, what do you have in place on that more personal and spiritual side to keep yourself growing and evolving as a person? I think part of it is, it sounds kind of cliche, but the older you get, the more you realize you didn't know what you thought you knew. Like I remember from ages 18 to 25, my parents got so smart. It was amazing. Like at 18, you're like, oh, you don't know anything. And all of a sudden, by the time you're 25, you're like, wow, I didn't realize all this stuff. So, um, and my very first job out of college, uh, I worked at a place and they had a giant bright yellow sign with black letters that said, constant improvement. And it was just everywhere. And so it had a really, it was a great experience, great out of college. And so that was kind of just stuck in me, constant improvement. So I've always, uh, I ended up, my original job was a copier technician, but because I had worked my way out of this shy person and now you kind of couldn't shut me up, that they made a position for me and they said, hey, we want you to go in and train people how to run copiers, but more importantly, how not to run copiers. And that's how I got into training. And then that led to computer trainings and Microsoft Office and blah, blah, blah. But, um, and then being a trainer and being a teacher, I actually eventually went back to school to get a teaching degree. I just realized that if you're not learning, especially in today's world, you're going backwards. Like if you stay where you are, it's like the sidewalk at an airport, right? You're, you're, if you, you know, if you get on those things going the wrong way and you stop, you start going backwards quick. So I'm constantly having to learn and keep up. And it's like right now, I don't know a thing about TikTok. I haven't been on TikTok. I know it's there. And I'm like, you know, I probably should dip my toe in the TikTok uh, pocket because my goal is I don't want to be that old guy that, you know, oh, somebody has to go help Dave. He's, you know, he's old, you know, I want to stay up on things. I have a, uh, a member of the school of podcasting, uh, Zeta, and she's, when she started her podcast, she was 70 and she really inspires me. Cause she's like, you know, I said, well, you could hire somebody to, to do some of this editing stuff. She's like, Nope, I want to learn it. I want to be up to, to speed on that. And so it's, it's I kind of want to be like that. I do a lot of stuff that I probably should farm out but I'm always trying to just, Ooh, what can I learn from this? And I'm always reading books. I'm always listening to podcasts. Uh, I don't watch TV a whole lot because I really found out that keeping up with the Kardashians doesn't really help me grow as a person. Besides, I want to throw things at the TV. So uh, I think that's part of it. Just this goal of constant improvement and the fact that I just know there's, I could be a better person, which doesn't mean you know, I'm far from perfect. It uh, doesn't mean I'm a, a, a bad person, but 
there's always things I can learn that I'm like, hmm, that's a different way of looking at it. I mean, case in point, I don't want to get too serious, but right now in, in, as we record this, there's a lot of talk about race. I'm a middle-aged white guy. I'm as white as the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. And just watching a few documentaries, I went, oh, oh, that was not, that's not on the Wikipedia page. And now I have a whole new insight into what these people in the streets are talking about. And so that kind of stuff fuels me to keep learning because we don't know what we don't know. So that's, I think, hmm. where it really comes from. And the more you learn, the more you go, ooh. And if I understand this more, now I can communicate better. And as a teacher, which is really what I feel I am in, in, you know, in all aspects, I'm here to help people understand stuff. And so the better I can communicate, the better I can teach. The better I can teach, the better I can help people overcome their fears or insecurities or whatever it is to get behind a mic. And once they start, then it's fun because when they then say, hey, I started my podcast and boy, I didn't think anybody was going to listen, but this happened. And one of my listeners said this and ever so politely in my head, I go, there's just this much of my, my thumbprint is on that reaction. Like I had something to do with that. So that's what kind of then fuels my tank. So I'm like, okay, cool. As a teacher, I help this person who's now helping that person. So that person actually growing is too removed from me, but I have a little bit of say in that. And so uh, as uh, I don't have any kids, so a lot of people, uh, you know, use the word legacy when it comes to kids. And so when you don't have any kids, does that mean you don't have a legacy? And I'm like, well, all right, I got to find a way to to build a legacy, we could argue that point in itself. So when I found podcasting, and I remember the very first piece of voicemail I got was from a guy in Nuremberg, Germany. And I'm in the middle of nowhere, Ohio, like cows in the backyard, in the basement, next to a water heater, hoping that nobody would flush the toilet. And there's a guy in Nuremberg, Germany, that not only found my podcast, but said he liked it. And I went, oh, wait a minute. This, this actually is global. Like I'm reaching somebody on the other side of the planet, and he likes my stuff. And that's when I, I grabbed whatever flag I had and planted it into the ground of podcasting and said, all right, this is how I'm going to make my legacy. And this was back in 2005. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was painful in 2005 to make a podcast because nobody, there was no, it sounds weird. There was no Apple podcast yet. There was no iTunes yet. Uh, they had just, they came on right after I started, but in wow. you, there, there wasn't, I think Lipson had come on board, but it was, you know, a lot of people hand rolling their RSS feeds. It was, it was ugly. And then you'd go to somebody you go, Hey, do you listen to podcasts? And they go, Oh, do you need an iPod for that? I don't have one. And you're like, no, no, all you need is the internet and speakers. And it was just, you know, so for like the first three years, it was growing your audience was, you know, again, educational. Like, no, this is what a podcast is. And once you finally got that, they'd be like, oh, I get it. Yeah, I don't do that. And you're like, oh, <laughs> so it was, what it was, was fun. Your, what was your career and income at that point? You were an educator, yeah? Yeah, I uh, actually, when I first, let's see, 2005. Yeah, I was at that point, oh, I'm trying to think. Uh, where was I working when I started the School of Podcasting? I think at that point I was doing tech support for a company. Yeah, I was doing tech support for a company. It was a horrible company. And I went to work for a friend. And so this is where you get into like, it's, it's just a weird place to start. So in this, in 2004, I got divorced from my first wife. I had gone through, I just gone through bankruptcy. We, we 
spent ourselves into bankruptcy trying to have a kid. Oh, wow. And so, so I had then lost my house. Uh, so I, and then I decided to go work for a friend who, uh, I was in a band with and he goes, man, you sounds like you really hate your job. I go, dude, I hate my job. This is horrible. He goes, come to work for me. Well, have you ever heard the expression, don't go to work with friends? There's a reason people say that <laughs> it did not work out well. And so I ended up quitting my job to go back to school to get a teaching degree. So there I was bankrupt. I was living in my brother's basement, literally next to the water heater uh, and a furnace. And I said, I need a job that's going to keep me in books and gas and cell phone while I go back to school to get my teaching degree. Because even though I had 10 years in teaching, I didn't have a degree in it and mm. people wouldn't even talk to me. And so at the time people said, well, membership sites and podcasting are going to be the next big thing. And I was like, well, I've already got the podcasting thing. And I'd heard so many things over the years that had come by and they were going to be the next big thing. And I was like, you know what? I'm pulling the trigger on this. There's only one way to know if podcasting and membership sites are the next big thing. And I'm going to figure out how to build a membership site. And I did and started a podcast. And, you know, now in the early years, um, again, it was hard. So I did things like guitar lessons. I did audio editing. So people would start a podcast. They're like, Hey, I just want to talk into the microphone. Like, do you know anybody that edits? And I'm like, um, yeah, I do, I guess. Sure. Yeah, I'll do that. So, you know, you kind of figure out again, when you get near your audience, sometimes they'll come up with ideas. They're like, Oh, that'd be a good product. Yeah, let's do that. So yeah, the early years, uh, I was, you know, living, luckily I lived with my brother. So, you know, I was basically buying, I didn't have rent, basically. I lived rent free, but I still paid for gas and insurance and cars and school and things like that. So it was enough to get started. But yeah, I was not making uh, a huge amount of money over the years. So, so but now um, I'm guessing that's changed. You've figured out that mystery. But let's yeah. take it back to your childhood and upbringing where you said you were wearing those short jeans because you sprouted up and now <laughs> your, your mom is sewing on all these crazy concoctions trying to make yeah. them look uh, somewhat normal. What, what kind of emotional impact did that have? And what were you telling yourself about the world around you? Were you thinking that, oh my God, when I get old enough, I'm going to, I'm, I'm never going to worry about money. Or did you just think, oh, this is what it's all about? Um, yeah, kind of that. It was just like, wow, being poor sucks. You know, when, uh, I remember my dad, um, he occasionally would get in a wreck, which happens when you're a truck driver or whatever, for whatever reason. Uh, and the good news was he, he had nine lives because there were a couple of times he, he should have like literally like, wow. But uh, I remember once we went on welfare and that is like, just like, great. What? Like that is, that's the definition of like a poor person. And I remember them bringing in block government cheese and I'm just like, really? Like, oh, all right. You know, uh, like, and this is stereotypical. Yeah, it is. And I was just like, all right. And that's when I just started like, okay, I've got to go find something to help the family. So that's when I started being a paper boy and, you know, anything I could do to make money. And the other thing it does is you just, for me, I am constantly, like I, I budget all the time. I'm always worried. Like I haven't got used to that. Not that I'm making a gazillion dollars now, but like I can sign up for, uh, yeah, let's say I'm going to do a new test show and I'm like, okay, well, the hosting is 20 bucks. You know, in the old days, I'd be like, all right, 20 bucks. Can we, well, now I'm like, okay, I got 20 bucks. Let's just do that. So it's nice to kind of just go, yeah, we, we got 20 bucks. We're good. Go ahead and do that. Cause I remember 
when I was getting ready to go through bankruptcy with my, my first wife and we had spent ourselves, we, we had started charging, do, never do this. When you run out of money in your savings account and you're trying to do fertility treatment, which is not cheap, do not charge fertility treatments on credit cards. And I knew it was a bad idea, but when your wife is crying and wants a kid and so do you, you do what you can. But now our credit card bills were so high it was like, we're, you know, you're just trying to, you're juggling your bills and not paying this one this week so you can pay that. And I remember once at a, uh, and I had a job, but it just, our bills were getting bigger and bigger. And I remember looking at a vending machine and going, hmm, Mountain Dew, gas for the ride home. Mountain Dew, which mm, I'm like, eh, I can't, I can't ride in a Mountain Dew bottle. So we're going to go with the ride home. So I always tell people there's a difference between being poor and broke. And I, there have been times when I've been broke. So I, I think that also will affect you when it comes to pricing. Because when I first that. started this, yeah, when I first started the school of podcasting, you do the whole thing where you're like, if I could get a hundred people to give me five bucks, I'd have $500 a month. Well, it's like, you can't live on $500 a month, number one. And number two, I did that. When I first opened the school of podcasting, it was five bucks. And uh, again, it's, it's great to have good friends that will like be honest with you. And my friend said, Dave, can you think of anything else on the internet that's worth anything that you can pay $5 for? And I went, no, no, I can't. As a matter of fact, he goes, yeah. He goes, you have a perception problem. And so I just started, you know, then I went to $10 and he goes, Dave, that's not really what I was talking about. So I went up to 20. And what I found is when I raised my price in this, I got to be careful how I use this word, but I got a better, shall we say, or a more motivated uh, client. I had people now that were actually joining the school of podcasting, but actually started to make podcasts where when it was five bucks, people would join and then I wouldn't hear from them again. And it was only five bucks. Eh, we'll get around to it eventually, that whole podcast thing. So people pay attention to things they pay for. And so uh, over the years, I've raised my prices. Now it's $49 a month. And those people that come in are like, okay, where do I start? How do I go? Because my, my marketing plan was, well, if I can just overserve my clients, they'll go out and people go, wow, your podcast is great. Where'd you learn? I'm like, oh, schoolofpodcasting.com. But at $20, I still had some people that, that really weren't ready to go. And so I just kind of raised the price until I really got motivated people and that would actually create a podcast. So, uh, and I found that over and over. And then I've done things with advertising and I was like, oh, I'll charge this much. And then I found another friend of mine that had the same sponsor and I'm like, I'm not trying to price fix and I'm not sure how legal this is, but if you want to share, you can like, you know, what would they pay you? And it was like double what I was going to ask. And I have a bigger show. And I just went, mm, here we go again, undervaluing yourself. And I don't know if that's just for me, you know, 20 bucks is still a lot of money because it was back in the day. I don't know how that is, but you have to, uh, I just took a course again, going back to the whole constant improvement on building community. And you have to ask yourself when you're pricing things, if, if I was, if this service wasn't available, where would they go to do whatever transformation they wanted to do? You know, how many books would they have to buy to replace the information that you're doing in your course? Or would they have to go take a college course? Or would they have to, like, what would they have to do? And that's when you go, oh, well, they'd have to do this and that and, and plus the time I'm going to save them, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden you go, oh, you know what? This is probably worth a lot more than I'm charging. And 
we always want to go to the, oh, if I can just get a hundred people to give me five bucks. And it's like, number one, you only get about 3%. And that sounds so weird, but it's every time I look at any kind of study, 3% is like, wow, you're doing great. If you're doing 5%, you're like a God of, what? of your audience. You're 5% of, oh, of, of your audience. So if I have a, if I have a hundred people and if I go, if I could get 50 of those people to give me 20 bucks, that's a thousand dollars, you know, and you're not going to get 50 people. And you're like, oh, am I going to get 20? No. Am I going to get 10? No. You're going to get three. You're going to get three people. And they're like, oh, that can't be. I'm like, all right, prove me wrong. And then they'll come back and you're like, you know what? I ended up with 2.4%. I'm like, I told you. So and I don't know, it, I don't know why that to, is. It's a three to 5% conversion of your audience who will buy in to what you're offering. Yeah. And that's after you've, because the great thing about, using podcasting for monetization is when you can do it on a regular basis. Now you're seen as trustworthy. So I'm out every Monday morning. If you can kind of inject your, your personality into it, if you can inject some stories. So like when I talk about passion, when you first start out, I said, look, I had a 16 year old stepson that wanted to learn how to drive. And every time I saw that kid, he said, can we go driving? I go, you need the passion of a 16 year old trying to get their license when you first start out, because you need that to carry you through. And so it's, it's all these different things that kind of come into the monetization and I'm losing my track of thought. Can you see it? It's drifting away as we speak. Oh, doggone it. I just had it. You need those things to get started. What was the question? I forget. I, I'm totally drawing a blank. Live Facebook. This is Dave's face turning red. It's great. Well, that's okay. I, uh, I barely noticed. Um, yeah. <laughs> we'll come back to that. I, I want to point out that you have, when you... When you look on your websites and your socials and all that, you epitomize so, so perfectly what should be done. In other words, so much of what I always talk about is around that if you want to be seen as the expert or the thought leader or however you want to define that phrase for yourself, you have to put out, you have to show people that you can get them the result that you're saying you can. So how, how deliberate is that? Because on, on one of your websites, you show your 12 podcasts that mm -hmm. you've done. And on your website, it clearly shows that you are the client at work yourself. There's a deliberate nature to that, right? Putting out the work for people to see that you can do what you say you can do. Yeah, it's a matter of, there are a couple ways you can do this. The, the cool way is... If you want to enter, like for you, you have coaching clients, you could actually bring on a client. And because a lot of times people go, oh, I offer coaching. And there's a part of your audience that goes, I, I wonder what that is, like coaching for what? And so Natalie Ekdahl does a show called Biz Chicks with an X, C-I-X. And she started bringing on her clients and she would give them kind of a discount. Like we're going to do consulting. I'm going to give you a discounted rate because this is going to be public. So if you're okay with the consulting being public, I'm okay taking a pay cut. And she would bring her clients on and then somebody in the audience would go, hey, that's similar to what I'm doing. I wonder if Natalie could help me with my, and she goes, all of a sudden consulting went through the roof. Smart because her, really yeah, her, her audience didn't get what coaching meant. So by doing all these different test shows and things like that, I can say, hey, you know, here's what happened. And then I created a segment on my show 
because after so many years, you're kind of just going, hey, it's Dave. Start a podcast, honest. You'll be so happy you did. So I started, I asked my audience, I said, do you have a because of my podcast story? And what I mean by that is if you have something that says, hey, because of my podcast, in my case, I got hired at Libsyn. Uh, I got hired to be the guy at the New Media Expo that ran the podcasting track. You know, all these, I said, if you have something that the answer is, I couldn't have done this except I had a podcast, please send it in. Please tell us where we can find your podcast and what your website is. Now, that is what that does now is people will come in and like, I have one right now. I got a book deal because of my podcast. Um, Yeah. Well, I know two, I'm three, at least three people that got a book deal and she sent it in and she was explaining how she, you know, the publisher contacted her, et cetera, et cetera. So I can play that and say, you know, I've been telling you about the power of podcasting for years. Here's another example. Listen to, you know, this person and they'll say, hey, Dave, so-and-so. And because of my podcast, I got to hang out with Alice Cooper. Because of my podcast, I got to ride in a car in the, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I got to do this. And now it's not just Dave saying, really, you should start a podcast. But that also then helps promote my audience because I wanted to make a win-win. So I put a link to their website, a link to their explain what their podcast is. So there are a couple different ways to kind of bring the audience in and kind of show, hey, what I'm talking about works. And what I can do is if somebody says, hey, I, I did this because you know I started a podcast. Well, I've told people one of the reasons you can start a podcast, we said you're seen as an expert. Another one is you get to talk to people you have no business talking to. So if I go to whoever and I go, hey, can we go like, can I get you on phone for like 20 minutes? I want to pick your brain. It'll be like, get out of here, kid. You bother me. But if I say, hey, Mr. Big Shot Smarty Pants, would you like to come on my podcast and share your knowledge? They'll be like, great. Where do I sign up? Do you have a link? And so that's another reason why you would want to start a podcast. And a lot of those, that's, that's the because of my podcast. And that again can lead to business. I had a, a friend of mine that started a podcast called The School of Banking. He kind of even took part of my name. And I asked him once, I said, you know, how are your downloads? And he goes, I don't, I don't know. And I'm like, well, are you getting any feedback? He goes, yeah, a little. And I'm like, wait, let's, let's back up. What's the why? And he goes, oh, that's easy. He goes, I want to get past the gatekeeper. And that's exactly what he was doing. So it goes back to, to kind of knowing your why. I had one client that wanted to start a podcast because he missed talking about Formula One racing with his brothers. And so he started a podcast and now all of his, he's, they're all married and they all have kids, but they all know that Sunday night we're going to get together and do the podcast. And that brings happiness and joy to them because that's what they all miss. They're all tight. And so podcasting is not always about making money. And in their case, they're ecstatic because it's like the good old days where they would sit around and talk about Formula One racing. So yeah. Um, and, and on the personal note, I started mine uh, not thinking I would make direct money from right. the podcast, but because of my podcast, just saying, I don't know where this is going to lead, but I'm, I'm pretty uh, aware that it'll create some form of opportunity that I will keep my eyes out for and grab and work towards and pull in and develop along the way. And my goodness, two years later, two plus years later, it's, it's been uh, phenomenal. It's been every bit of that. Yeah, I, I think my favorite story for me was there was a, a large event called the Nubity Expo and it was YouTubing, it was podcasting and blogging. It's no longer around, but the the head guy, uh, Rick Calvert, um, their, their head podcasting person had stepped down 
And so he went to, I didn't work at Libsyn yet, but he went to the guys at Libsyn and said, Hey, we need a new like podcast head. Who do you think would be a good fit? And they said, I don't know. What about Dave Jackson? And then he went to the head of Blueberry and Todd Cochran said, I don't know. What about Dave Jackson? And then he went to the head of Spreaker and they said, I don't know. What about Dave Jackson? I'm like, I cannot write this stuff, but they had all listened to my podcast. And so you're exactly what you said. Your podcast is not your business. It's your business card. And so in this case, they had listened to my show. They knew that I had demonstrated kind of that I knew what I was talking about. And they were like, yeah, that guy seems to to have a pretty good grasp on what's going on. So uh, that's the kind of stuff that can happen. That's the exact same thing. Like um, I wanted venturing into it, leaving my old industry and saying, I got to, I got to do this. What will it do? I'm not sure. But from the beginning, I said, I want to speak on stages. I want to write a book, which really I'm doing all of those things now. I want to be seen as somebody who knows what they're doing in this industry. And by just producing and publishing the episodes, I'm going to continue to show up. I'll have one episode, then 10, then I'll turn around and I'll be able to say, I got 50 episodes. Then, oh my goodness, I got 75. Look at me, I got 100 and just keep showing up. Now I have over 150 episodes and that's exactly what I wanted. That was by design. So you have to have some form of impression of what you're doing. And like we've said, why in the world you're doing it? And you have to figure that out. Well, and the other thing you can do in, in your case to get more coaching clients, like I'm here, I'm talking like Dave, we brought Dave on as the expert. It's still your show. So I always recommend anybody that does interviews at the end, God bless him. If you remember the nineties, do a Jerry Springer. And what I mean by that is at the end, Josh could go, you know, that was a great conversation with Dave. You know what really jumped out at me? Here's that when he talked about how blah, 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 blah. Now we're getting to know you because you're explaining why you liked it. And you might even say, I remember a time, you know, Dave mentioned the thing with his, his pants. I remember this one time when I did this and junior high is awkward for all of this, blah, blah, blah. You know, and just share a little bit about you and your expertise on what we just talked about. That's a way that, interview shows can still be a way to position yourself as the the person you're trying to connect with. Because I always say, I have people go, well, should I do a solo show or should I do a, a interview show? And I always go, why are you limiting yourself? Do both. When you do an interview show, you grow your network. When you do a solo show, and it's kind of weird because you're talking to nobody, but I always picture one person. Uh, but when you do a solo show, now you're growing your influence because you're talking to that one person and wait today, I want to tell you about this thing I discovered. It's great. You're going to love it. And I just, I don't do the, Hey, you guys. And Hey, everybody. I talk to one person when I'm doing a solo show and it grows your influence. So that's uh, don't limit yourself by just interviews or just solo shows. And I, I've met people like, I can't, I, I love you, Dave. I can't do the solo show. I can't talk to the wall. I'm like, get a picture of, of, you know, take a picture at an event when you meet somebody, you know, and go that mm-hmm. route. So that's another thing you can do if you're uh, stuck on which one I should do or should I do both? Wow. Well, my goodness, I feel like we could, wow, we could really go on and on and on. So many uh, other avenues I want to get to. Maybe we'll have you on for a part two. There's just so much good here. We can talk and talk. Uh, Thanks, sir. I will leave you with this final question. Okay. Dave Jackson, how would you like to be remembered? 
see, I knew this was coming. I started thinking about this today and I was like, how would I like to be remembered? Um, I think I want people to, it's, it goes back to the whole people. What's the saying about some people remember what you say. Other people remember how how you made them feel. feel. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope people, I hope I made people feel important because that's again, kind of going back to the growing up, being poor, outsider, you kind of feel like you're not important. So I always want people to feel important. And one of the things that I have to, because I'm, I'm a bit, if you haven't figured it out, I'm a little ADD, a little all over the place. And when I'm at an event and I'm talking to the person in front of me, I, it takes everything in me. Not that this person is not uh, interesting, but there's a lot going on. And I always have to remember, whatever you do, do not lose your eye contact with this person. I know there's a person over here or that because if I, for a half a second, look over to see somebody, they're going to think, oh, he's, he's just standing here because he's, he's going to talk to me until somebody else walks by. So I always, if I meet somebody at an event, I'm always like, you have my undivided attention. And so I just want people to feel, I, I, that would be a cool one. If somebody said, you know, every time you talk to Dave, he just made you feel like you're, you were the only person in the room. That would be, that would be a, that's my goal at least. Beautiful. Where can people find you? Where do you want to lead them to, to continue the conversation? Schoolofpodcasting.com is where, that's kind of my flagship program. I got a lot of podcasts, but uh, my contact information is there. And the last time I checked, 728 episodes are there. So if you're looking for, for more information on podcasting, there's plenty. Now, there is something to be said. Yes, we, uh, we train, we educate, we consume the content. But what? Nothing happens until you take the action, right? You got to step That's forward. A, yeah, knowledge is only power when you act on it. So you got to take action and uh, get out there, fail, fail fast, and uh, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and keep on going. Wow. This has been a treat. I'm so glad we finally crossed paths, not just in the groups, not just online, not just in Messenger or on social, but officially on my show. What a treat. What a pleasure. Thank you, Dave Jackson. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This was a blast. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in, whether it's to the uh, live broadcast right here or you're catching the replay on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume your favorite shows. I love reading your reviews. Please do keep them coming. I'm going to end with what I've learned is a Dave Jackson recommendation. Instead of saying leave a review or rate, what he likes to say is tell a friend. Isn't that true? Have I been listening, Dave? I appreciate that. That's a better way. The, The whole thing about reviews is people say it helps us be found. That is not accurate. It's social proof but it doesn't actually help you be found. So instead, if you enjoyed this, tell a friend, there's a share button right there in your app. Just click that and send it off. I, for the past uh, couple of weeks, whenever I most recently heard you say that, I'm like, well, if Dave's doing it, <laughs> that's, I mean, really, right? We, we find people we can learn from, we can emulate, we can copy. One of my old acting teachers once said, it's okay to steal as long as you steal from the best. nice so go forward with that to make it work thanks for tuning in everybody we're gonna do it again before too long until we do go get them 
Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.